So first of all, just a, a few questions before Bishop Rachel comes to, to speak. A few questions just to find out. Um, first of all, a really simple one. Do you like Marmite or not, Bishop Rachel? I love Marmite, particularly with cheese. Or particularly with cheese. Uh, Archdeacon Phil. Because I agree with the bishop and everything, <laughs> I love Marmite too. I do, actually. Really good. Okay. So, so Bishop Rachel. Mm. Andrew. What is a bishop? Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> How long have I got? Um, How long do you need? <laughs> I suppose the picture I would give you is that of the Good Shepherd. That's the picture that's given to bishops. Um, bishops lead dioceses, if you don't know what those are. There are 42 of them um, in England, areas um, and... As a leader, I want to gather God's people within our Church of England, churches, to enable people to grow as disciples, look at how we organise ourselves so we can grow as disciples, to appoint clergy, uh, to discipline clergy. Even more importantly is how do we, as God's people, reach out to those who don't know Christ? So again, how do I lead the diocese in a vision with a great team around me in terms of how we reach out to people, how we create a vision for how we are to be God's people, to grow as disciples, um, and to reach new people in new ways, in new places. Uh, we have 117 church schools as well, so and we have a number of different worshipping communities, not just uh, ones that look more like traditional worshipping communities, um, fresh expressions of church, cafe church, chaplaincies in hospitals and prisons, universities, all sorts of other places. So actually it's about being God's people in lots of different ways. How do we grow? How do we reach out to people? And how do I, as a leader, enable that? Is that a it's pretty good, isn't it? In what circumstances do you have to discipline? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. At the moment. Uh, Phil, what's an archdeacon? Uh, well, Bishop Rachel was one before, so... <laughs> Bishop Rachel was one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, an archdeacon, I work with, with Bishop Rachel as part of her staff team. Um, one of the ways that archdeacons are sometimes thought of is they're, they're fixers, really, the bishop's fixers. So if you have seen the direct line adverts or Pulp Fiction and you know Mr. Wolf, then a little bit of what an archdeacon does is try and make things, sort things out on the day um, for the bishop, but also an implementer, someone who, when the bishop has a vision for things, when we together have an imp, a, a vision for things, actually part of the archdeacon's role is to connect local churches together and say, how are we going to make this happen on the ground? Um, Archdeacons have something to do with rules and regulations. No organisation would work without some of them. But for me, part of my role is to try and make sure they are life-enhancing, life-giving regulations so that we work together and, um, and don't trip over each other. The, one, the other answer I want to say is just joking, is that um, I was always told when I was an archdeacon, a, a bishop has a, has, a, has a stick with a little crook on the top. I was always told the archdeacon was the crook at the top of the, the bishop's stick. <laughs> So, archdeacons clear up after the bishop. Yeah, yeah. basically, that's the... <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realise she'd realised I was the crook, actually, but now I know, yeah. No, you clear up all the mess that I made. Yeah. So, um, so, Rachel, you, you have uh, a whole series of things that you're passionate about. You're going to be speaking to, to, tonight about your passion for mission, but you're in the House of Lords. You have a, a public role, a public sort of opportunity. What are the things that are really firing you up for 2020? That's very apt, because on Thursday I'll be in the House of Lords making a response to the Queen's speech at the State Opening of Parliament, the second State Opening of Parliament. Um, 
And the things that I'm going to be passionate about, I'm going to be talking about my real heart for children and families, how we organise ourselves this way in this country that's good for children and families, and for vulnerable young women um, and vulnerable women, in fact, many of whom end up in prison, end up in the criminal justice system. I have a real passion for how we enable those children to grow up and flourish and not become those vulnerable uh, women and men. I do care about men as well. Just that I have a particular passion and work with a number of charities. Um, and I'm actually the, um, the bishop for women's prisons nationally. So that's where that, that comes from. And I will be uh, speaking in the House of Lords on Thursday on those issues. Thank you so much. And, and Phil, what are you fired up for, for 2020? What, what are your passions in the months ahead? So we, we mix in different circles. When Bishop Rachel is in the House of Lords on Thursday, I'll probably be in the local pub. Um, and, and I think my passion is to see the church recover its confidence. I think in this country, we've lost so much of that. Not in ourselves. Sometimes we put our confidence in ourselves, but in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what we've been singing about. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I, it doesn't necessarily always go easily with some of the Archdeacon's roles, but that's my passion, to equip, to encourage, to serve you, actually, as a local parish church and wider, to make sure that you're running on all cylinders. Mm. Am I allowed to add? Yeah, please do. Um, because I was talking about Nashi, but actually I really want to echo what Phil's just said. Um, my real passion across the diocese we live this vision is exactly that. How do we become courageous, confident disciples of Jesus Christ? And how do we live that out Sunday through to Saturday? Many of you have heard me talk about it before, but what I'm passionate about is tomorrow morning, wherever you're going to be, that actually um, you know that you are loved by God and you are sharing that love and that confidence if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. So I really want to echo that. So um, you're here tonight because Trinity is being designated by you as, yes. as our bishop, thank you, uh, as a resource planting church. Um, what does a resource planting church mean for you as a bishop? How does it fit with the life vision, the diocesan life vision? So I'll say something and then, and then Phil can add. So um, that sounds a bit jargon, doesn't it? Uh, resource, planting church. Um, as I was just saying, it's not only about how we grow as disciples, it's about how we reach out to those with whom we're not connecting. There are many people as we sit here um, having different activity, different uh, people in different places that we're not even connecting with. And so one of the... Um, real desires I have across the diocese is that we have a very, I'm going to dare to say it, a varied landscape of church configuration. By that, what I mean is that we have lots of worshipping communities that look different, whether it's meeting in traditional church buildings, meeting in cafes, meeting in pubs, meeting in schools, reaching people of all ages, all backgrounds, all stories. And we're doing that in a number of ways across the diocese, which I'll say more about later. But one of the things um, about Trinity is that it's been a long journey, but we believe that God is calling you to actually be part of that planting new worshipping communities um, in different places. I'll say a little bit more about that later. But I'm really excited about the part that you can play here at Trinity in actually helping enable 
connecting with people in new ways, in new places. People will come to know Christ for the first time and grow as disciples. And it might look a bit like this. It might look very different from this. We're going to trust God. But I'm really excited that we are launching you tonight as a church which will resource the wider diocese and plant new churches. Phil, the bishop gives us permission because the bishop has that role in pulling together the vision um, for the diocese and the sort of strategic life plan. Uh, as we said earlier, you're the kind of person who helps actually make it happen on the ground. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, and just to pick up on what Bishop Rachel is saying, the, 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 the gospel, the Christian life is about partnership, partnership with God and partnership with each other, not just those that look like us or like to worship like us, but with the whole family of God. And, and I see a resource church as being a bit of a catalyst. Actually, I think every Christian is called to be both a minister of the gospel and a catalyst of God's encounter in the wider world. Um, and part of what we're hoping to do is to say, because you've got some resources other churches haven't got, will you partner together with them? A couple of areas that we've been looking at. One is there are a huge number of housing developments taking part, particularly around Cheltenham, but also around the wider diocese. How do we, as a community of churches, of worshipping communities, make sure that we get into those housing developments early on and build the body of Christ in those communities. So that might be one way that we can do that. We're doing some work already on that. We might be looking at you, with you, and talking to Andrew and others of you to say, well, might it be possible to get in early? It might not be, look like traditional church, but to make sure we plant something so that the church of Christ, the body of Christ, grows in that community. Uh, how can we do more amongst our young people around Cheltenham and Gloucester in particular? Uh, you have something that most churches don't have. You have people who aren't as old as me, uh, and that's fantastic. Often I go to churches in the morning and I'm one of the youngest people there. And actually, that makes me feel good on one way, but it breaks my heart on another way. Um, so how can you use some of the resources you've got there to help build youth and young people's congregations around the communities that we serve? It'd be great if we could just pray for you because um, it's, it's hard to convey in a short interview, but this whole strategy around resource planting is a bold strategy. It's actually taking the resources that God has given to us as the Church of England, one bit of the family of the Christian church, um, take those resources and actually spend them and invest them and be bold. And uh, probably in this room, there's a few of us who realize that a bishop and an archdeacon and a senior staff are going to take a little bit of flack in some ways. There will be some people who will struggle with these kinds of changes and they'll wonder, you know, what's behind it and what's underneath it and what agendas maybe uh, are, are being worked out so we want to say thank you because this is a you know this is a, a kingdom step uh, and wanting to invest so could a few of us come and pr would we, can we pray for the two of you'd like to come come down and why don't a few of us come and pray I don't know maybe some of the younger women might want to come and pray for Bishop Rachel particularly because she's campaigning on some of the things come and pray be great some of the youth Come and pray. Others come and pray. These two uh, servants have really key roles in God's church. And let's pray for them now. Let's pray. Bishop Rachel, in the House of Lords, in public life, fill in the role that God has called him to, to be a connecting person in the life of the church and in mission. And just if you want to reach out a hand towards them from where you are, if you want to just join in this prayer. 
Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you equip and you enable wherever we are called. And we thank you that as you have called Rachel and Phil and the rest of the leadership of this diocese into their positions, so you equip them. And we thank you for their boldness. We thank you for their desire to live out the life vision that you have given to us. And for their desire to see flourishing, worshipping communities of every kind. And so Jesus, in your precious name, we ask, would you come and would you anoint again in the roles that you have given? Would you give them such wisdom? Would you give them all of the riches of your knowledge and your grace? Would you protect them and their families? Would you strengthen them in all that you call them to? We say thank you, God, for them. Amen. Amen. Let's say thank you, shall we? Helen. Helen is going to come and read our reading. Helen's got the Bible. Where's Helen? Great. Thanks, Helen. Helen's going to read, and then Bishop Rachel's going to come and speak. Helen, thank you. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we come here carrying our different stories from our lives, our different hopes and fears, might we open our hearts to you afresh to hear what you want to say to us individually and as a church and give us courage to walk where you lead. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. It's really good to be here at the start of this new year. 
As I look out, I know some of you, some of you are familiar, some of you I've never met before, and I don't know all the different stories you are carrying as you start this new year. But let's sit with all of that as we journey a little bit with these magi. Um, I don't know whether you've taken your cards and decorations down already, but they traditionally will be coming down today or tomorrow as the 12 days of Christmas comes to an end. Yes, there have been 12 days. And we begin our journey into this new year ahead. And tomorrow, if you're not familiar with the church's calendar, tomorrow is the season of Epiphany, the start of the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany means revelation, that moment of recognizing who Christ is. And as we journey away from Christmas, We are journeying with those rather strange travellers from the East who we've just heard about. Those rather mystical characters, the Magi, the Three Kings, the Wise Men. We know them in lots of different ways. Traditionally assumed to be three, um, although I suspect that in nativity plays up and down the country, we've had all sorts of combinations. Uh, Perhaps you've been to one of those. The truth is we know very little about these strange travellers from the East. What we do know is that they set out on a journey, knowing something about what was motivating them, but not knowing really anything about the destination. They knew what was motivating them. They set out. They didn't really know much about the destination. When we were singing and praying earlier, I was really struck by how um, we can feel this is the start of a new year, that the Magi thought they were doing something new and bold, and yet it was a continuation of what God had been doing from the very beginning of time. And in fact, as we were praying, I was really struck about God really drawing my attention to all these memorials and stones that you've got on the wall here. I realize that I've never read them. Um, But I'm sure that a lot of them will refer to people who've been part of the story over the years, who've now gone ahead of us and are in that brighter light with Christ. And I had that sense, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the great cloud of witnesses. And I had a really strong sense of us being surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, those who've gone before us, who have been part of the story. And this story is continuing. And that was true of those magi, those wise men. That sense of journeying, knowing what's motivating you, but not knowing quite where the destination is, that might strike a chord with you individually as you venture into this new year. You know something about what you want, what's motivating you, but you don't quite know exactly where God's taking you. That sense of uh, knowing the motivation but not being quite sure about the destination is a very good description of this official launch of Trinity of You as a resource planting church. We've said a little bit about that, but let me say a bit more. Some of you may be very familiar with the appearance across the Church of England of resource churches Resource churches as centres for mission, particularly for church planting. 
being a resource we've been talking about for the wider diocese. And if you don't know what the diocese is, the Diocese of Gloucester, you're part of it. Um, it is the Anglican churches, the Church of England churches, worshipping communities, schools across Gloucestershire, also part of South Gloss, and in fact in neighbouring uh, parts um, of the country around Gloucestershire as well. We have little bits of Worcestershire, little bits of Warwickshire, tiny bits of Oxfordshire as well. Resourcing, as we've just said, is about enabling us to share the good news with places and with people with whom we're not connecting at present. Seeking to be in new places, among new people, so that people can both encounter Christ and grow as disciples of Christ. It's about discovering and sharing life in all its fullness, because that is at the heart of our diocesan vision, what we call our life vision, L-I-F-E. If you don't know anything about it, then speak to leadership here. Um, but our life vision is rooted in those words of Jesus from John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And here in this diocese, we've begun to identify several different ways of resourcing the church to live out our mission in different places and among different people. So, for example, we've launched a church army centre for mission in Matson uh, in Gloucester. We've got a lay evangelist there who we've just licensed. And there's going to be a second location soon in the Forest of Dean with an additional lay evangelist. And part of their role will be to enable people across the diocese as pioneers, people who are not ordained, lay people um, working in mission across the diocese, connecting with new people in new ways. That's the church army. And then we've got an initiative called One Life. It was called Wellspring. It's now called One Life, which is about engaging with children, young people, families through a network of fresh expressions in sports and wellness centres. If you're thinking I haven't a clue what a fresh expression of church is, a fresh expression of church is um, a rather jargon term for being church in a different way among different people. So probably won't look like this. It might be meeting in a cafe or a pub or in a school. And we want to say, how do we do church in sports centres? How do we do church through wellness, through well-being? Where are people already gathering? People already come to sports centres, to community centres. How might we build church in those places? How might we build church around sport and well-being? And we're still working out what that is looking like. But uh, we're well onto our way, on our way with that project, seeking to join in with what God is doing, because we really sense that the Holy Spirit is already at work in this way. So that's another way of us resourcing uh, mission, resourcing ministry in new ways. And then we come to Trinity, you here as a resource planting church. This is about me as bishop commissioning you, launching you to be a resource planting church. It's not saying, right, good, now you get on with it. It is about the bishop and Bishop Robert and Archdeacon Phil and the rest of the staff team saying, actually, we are leading and enabling you to do this work. I'm very grateful 
that you are willing to take this on. There will be a very clear expectation for teams to be sent out from here to plant new worshipping communities. I tend to use the, the language of worshipping communities rather than church because too often we think that church is what we do when we gather like this. Whereas actually, we are the church full-time. We are the church full-time, Sunday through to Saturday. And so I talk about worshipping communities, which is how we gather to worship, and then we're sent out to be the church. So that's why, if you're wondering, why on earth is she not just saying church? So there will be expectation for teams to be sent out to plant new worshipping communities. And I will expect this to look different in different places. As um, Phil said, it might be about planting a worshipping community in an area of new housing. In fact, I hope it will be. It might be about revitalising a traditional parish church that needs a fresh start. And already there have been some discussions um, with traditional worshipping communities in other parts of the diocese saying, how might we refresh ourselves? How might Trinity help us refresh ourselves? So it might be more about grafting rather than planting. It might be about location, as we've just said, areas of new housing. It might be about identifying certain groups of people with whom we're not connecting. So as I've just talked about, um, people who gather around sport, but then there might be uh, something around young people. Again, Archdeacon Phil said something about that. Um, we really strongly believe that one of the first things uh, that you are going to plant will be a new worshipping community for young adults. Now, you are young adults, uh, mainly here tonight. But actually, how might we do that somewhere else? A new worshipping community for new adult, for, for young adults. A new worshipping community for young adults. Perhaps for that older end of youth. Have to be careful, because I never quite know where youth stops and starts. I always feel I'm quite youthful, but I know that's not, I'm not talking about people like me or Phil. It's important to say that um, new worshipping communities which are going to be planted are about engaging with new people. We are not setting up new expressions of church that people can say, oh, I rather fancy being part of that rather than being part of this. Actually, it's not about transferring. It's about reaching out to people who don't yet know Christ, making new disciples and enabling those people to grow. Of course, there will be some people from here who will actually make that sacrifice. It will be a sacrifice because you will be saying, this will no longer be our primary place of worship and gathering. We're going to go with a small group of people to actually worship and plant a worshipping community somewhere else. We'll all be part of it because you'll be called to pray, you'll be called will be called to finance across the diocese and from here. Um, you'll be called to give up people who you think, actually, we really want those people here, but actually perhaps God is calling them somewhere else. This is about new people coming to Christ and growing as new disciples. And the new worshipping communities which grow won't simply be about gathering people for worship. They'll be about gathering people together so they might be sent out might be sent out onto those new 
places of new housing, for example, sent out into places where we're just not connecting with at the moment, although you might be connecting in your place of work or leisure midweek. Well, might that be a place where God is calling more people to join you so we can plant a worshipping community there? Some of that we're just not quite sure about what it is going to look like, but we are trusting God. I also want to be very, very clear that none of um, the examples I've given of resourcing are the answer. So our church army centres of mission our One Life initiative with sports and well-being, and you as a resource planting church, that is not the answer to how all people are going to come to know Christ. It is part of what it means for us to be Christ church here across the diocese. As Andrew just said earlier, often when we do things like this, it causes some places of tension. There'll be people worshipping in more traditional worshipping communities who might feel a bit threatened, who might feel that we're saying, actually, what you're doing is actually not quite right. I'm not saying that at all. It's very important we all approach this with great humility, recognising that just as we are all different, so worshipping communities will look different. And that's really important that we encourage one another. We are all part of the body of Christ together. No one part of the body of Christ is more significant or more right than another part. It's really important that we see this as how we are encouraging and resourcing one another across the diocese. So all of these initiatives will make a significant contribution to what it means for us to be Christ Church here in this diocese as part of the Church of England. So rather like those visitors from the East, we've got strong motivation. We believe we're joining in with what God is doing. We might not be following a star, but we are following Christ. But we're not sure exactly where God is going to lead us. So let me take us back to our gospel reading, because there are many things that amaze me and fascinate me about that gospel reading with which we're all probably very familiar, even if we've never read it in the Bible. We've probably all sung, We Three Kings of Orient Are. And probably when we were at school, we made up all sorts of words to that carol. I find it amazing and rather strange that these mystical astrologers from the east, that they were expectant, that they were excited about what this star meant, that they were willing to follow it. And I'm amazed that they weren't disappointed when they arrived and found the Christ child. We don't know exactly how long after Christ's birth this journey took place, but wherever Jesus and his parents were when they arrived, it certainly wasn't in a place of grandeur. It would have been in some little backwater somewhere. Very ordinary people in a very ordinary dwelling. And yet, the magi, those kings, those wise men, they were thrilled and excited. We're told they were overwhelmed with joy, we're told they went into the house and they saw the child with Mary, his mother. Now, I don't know about you, but I imagine it to be quite an ordinary domestic scene, a mother with her child. And what do they do? They kneel down 
and they worship. I find that amazing. I mean, it could have been such a different story. You know, oh, sorry, there must have been some sort of mistake. We've been following a star. We've been looking for something awesome and amazing. We've been looking for a king. Um, we're obviously in the wrong place here. Sorry to disturb you. We'll be on our way. This is all rather ordinary. But no, the wise men, those magi, they go into an ordinary domestic scene, confronted presumably by something fairly ordinary, but they see something glorious beyond the surface. They see something glorious. In fact, they see Christ. They experience God. And they kneel down and they worship. And to me, this says something about their expectations. Those travelers from the East, those foreigners who knew nothing at that point of the gospel of Christ. They were expectant. They were open to God. They were longing to see what God was doing. And I suspect that the shape of their discovery wasn't quite what they had had in mind. But they recognized God's presence amid the ordinary. And I wonder what that says to us at the start of this new year. What does it say to us as individuals? What does it say to us as a church? What does it say to you here as Trinity as you're launched into this new adventure of church planting? Are we expectant to see God, to encounter Christ amid the ordinary? Are we expectant to be surprised? Now, I have to confess that one of my great disappointments this year is that I've not managed to go to a pantomime. Oh, yeah. Don't say, oh, no, you haven't. But um, every year, usually in those days between Christmas and New Year, my husband and I usually go to a pantomime. That might say something quite sad about us, but we love going to pantomimes. But we were staying with some friends after Christmas and they'd already been to a pantomime and uh, we couldn't find um, another one close by. But it is that panto season of the year. How, come on, let's own up. How many of you have been to a pantomime this year? Oh, that's pathetic. You need to get out more. Um, the great thing about pantomimes is that they are always about the triumph of good over evil. I think they're deeply theological. I think it's fantastic they happen at this time of year. There's nearly always a moment when the hero or the heroine dares to embrace the unexpected. They're on a quest to find something amazing, something significant, something meaningful. And yet they're not blinded by preconceived ideas. So when they find that old lamp, they're willing to explore further and discover that there's a magical genie in that lamp. Or they don't dismiss that rather rambling old plant. They discover it's a magical beanstalk. You see, they're open to be surprised. Those on the side of good in pantomimes are always open to adventure and mystery. And they make great discoveries. 
And that was true of those wise men from the East. But this is no pantomime. This is the truth of God coming to be with us. God, that God we've been singing about, that amazing God coming to earth, fully God, fully human, but coming to earth as a tiny, vulnerable human being to reveal to us who God is. And when the wise men go into that house and confront the child with his mother, they have a moment of recognition, a revelation, an epiphany. That's why we call this season of this year Epiphany. And uh, in the next few weeks of Epiphany, that season in the church's calendar, uh, many churches, many worshipping communities will be focusing on readings that tell us more about who Christ is. So next Sunday, people were looking at the baptism of Christ. Suddenly Christ's gone from a baby to being a grown man and to being baptized. I was thrilled to hear that you are having baptisms here this month. Um, I hope that a number of people will be baptized. I also want to encourage a number of you, if you've been baptized already, to consider being confirmed. Confirmation, the Church of England, is about publicly declaring for yourself those promises, perhaps which were taken for you if you were baptised as a child. And uh, just a quick plug, on um, Easter Eve at the cathedral, uh, for the first time, certainly since I've been here, we are going to be baptising adults again in a pool, hopefully outside if it's not too chilly, on Easter Eve in the darkness of Easter night, that night before Easter, as we move into the light and celebrate Christ rising again and the light being stronger than the darkness. So if you, and we'll be confirming people as well. So... Um, if you haven't been confirmed, then do talk to me, particularly if you're someone who's a bit sceptical about confirmation, then um, watch a little film on the Darson website with myself and Bishop Robert uh, talking about why we want people to be confirmed. I digress. It's all about epiphany, recognising Christ for who he is. And the gifts from those magi, in fact, do reveal who Christ is. Again, don't you find it amazing that they knew, how did they know to take gold and frankincense and myrrh? The Holy Spirit was clearly at work because those gifts reveal who Christ is. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh, which was used to embalm those who had died as they were buried. So myrrh, recognizing that Christ was going to be cruelly put to death, be buried, and yet would rise again. That gold for the king, that God's love and life are stronger than death, that God's light is stronger than the darkness. And those magi from the east bring those gifts, and as they kneel and worship, they are declaring who Christ was and is. They were expectant to find something significant. Their hearts were expectant. I hope that is true of us at the start of this new year, as we launch you as a resource planting church, as you live out your story as a church and as individuals. As we walk into 2020, the story of the Magi challenges us 
about those preconceived ideas we are carrying at the start of this year. I wonder what preconceived ideas you have about your life, about those around you, about the places where you live, the places where you work, the places where you spend your leisure. What preconceived ideas do you have about the hurts you're carrying? What preconceived ideas do you have about the joys you have in your life? You see, so often in our lives, and our lives together as a church, we want God's mystery, we want God's revelation, but we want it in the shape that we want it to be. We want God to come to us. We want God to be with us. We say we want to join in with what God is doing. As our Darson Life Vision says, we want to share the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ so that people may know life in all its fullness. But so often, we want it to be the shape we want it to be, to be rather like us and actually to be rather comfortable. We have so many preconceived ideas we say we want to see our churches grow in faithfulness and fruitfulness. We say we want to grow in our own discipleship. Just think about all the words you have sung already this evening. I hope that none of us have sung those words lightly. We say we want to see justice in our world. We say we want to see God's kingdom come on earth as in heaven. We say we want Trinity to be used in planting new worshipping communities. But God, we quite like it if it could be in the way that we would like it to be. Well, it might just be that God is revealing God's self to us in unexpected places and ways and we may just fail to fall down and worship if we're not willing to be surprised by God. We might just fail to join in with what God is doing because we don't want to step out of our comfort zones. Let God open our eyes and our ears. We actually prefer our own fears and hopes rather than being surprised by God and expecting to see God. You see, those, those magi were quite risky travelers. I mean, to leave the familiar and follow a star when you don't even really know who God is, they were risky travelers. How are you traveling into 2020 as an individual and as a church? Are you willing for God to take you out of your comfort zone. And as I've just said, at times for you as Trinity, being a resource, a church planting church, at times that will not be easy. It might feel exciting now, but at times it will cause some tension, some conflicts. And we're going to have to keep letting go into God and trusting God. And so before we leave with, if you like, leaving with those magi, I want to notice that little verse that came at the end of our gospel reading, verse 12 of chapter 2 of Matthew's gospel. I want to encourage you to reflect on that this week. We're told that having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the magi left for their own country by another road. 
They return to somewhere familiar. They return to their own land, but by a different route. Now, obviously, that was for very good reasons in their case. Herod was very much the baddie. If this was a pantomime, which it isn't, um, Herod would have been that baddie we'd be booing and hissing. Herod was not going to have the final word. God was not going to let that happen. But I find those words from Matthew's gospel about leaving by another road, I find they always speak to me at the start of a new year, at this time of epiphany. Because I know that I'm always tempted to return to the familiar each year by the same route. Now, some of you might have made New Year's resolutions, that resolution that you are going to return to the familiar, but by a different route. The chances are in a few weeks' time, they will have fallen away. I don't want to be cynical, but it's probably true for most of us. But the invitation today is to return to our familiar lives, all that feels like home, the family, the work, the leisure, life together at Trinity, to return to all that is familiar, but by a different road, to return even to our familiar pain by a different route, to look perhaps at what makes me react to life in particular ways, to be challenged, look at that in a new way, not to be driven by all the old needs, all the old longings, all the old hurts, but to be motivated differently, to walk a different path, to dare to live life differently. I'd love you to reflect on that verse, some of those pictures we had earlier, the stones in the shoe, the backpacks, many of those different pictures might be about journeying by a different route, in a different way, not necessarily leaving what's familiar, but living it in a different way, returning by a different road. Thank you that at Trinity you are daring to live life differently in many different ways. That's why we're launching you, why I, as your bishop, am launching you today as a planting church which will resource this diocese in ways we can't even imagine at the moment. Let us be expectant. So as I finish and we leave Christmas and we journey into this new year, I'm praying that you will know God's blessing and presence as individuals and as a worshipping community, that you will continue to grow in faith. And if you don't yet know Christ, that this might be the start of an amazing adventure with Jesus Christ. I pray that all of us might live as those adventurous followers. I'm praying that God will bless you with expectant hearts as individuals and as members together of the body of Christ. I'm praying that God will bless you to give you expectant hearts that you will expect to encounter God in unexpected places Sunday through to Saturday in unexpected ways here in this building in all the different things that are going on. And I'm praying that all of us will dare to return to that which is familiar in the coming year but possibly by a different road. 
And I'm very grateful to be partnering, to be in that gospel partnership, as Phil said, with you in all of this, because we are partners together in the gospel. May God bless you. Amen. And I'm going to pray for you now. And Andrew, come up here, because I'm going to pray. Andrew, come up here and be with me, because I'm going to pray for you as well. Gracious God, thank you that you are God, that you call us to encounter you in new and unexpected ways. Thank you for Jesus coming that first Christmas as a tiny, vulnerable baby to reveal you to us. Thank you for Christ's death, his willingness to go to the cross. Thank you for Christ's resurrection. Thank you that you have revealed that your life is stronger than death itself. And we pray that we would say yes to you afresh at the start of this year. That we would lead where you follow. That we would lead where you follow beyond our comfort zone. That you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see you even amidst the ordinary. To bow down and worship you. To offer you our gifts that you would use us. And I pray for this worshipping community as we, as they, are launched as a resource-planting church. Lord, would you do more than we can even ask or imagine. Show us where you are leading and give us faithfulness to follow. And I pray for Andrew at the start of this new year. Lord, would you pour out your blessing on him Would you equip him with all that he needs to lead your people here? We pray for all those who lead in many different ways in this worshipping community. Give them courage. Give them joy. Lord, give them your strength. Give them your hope afresh. And give them expectant hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Pour out your blessing afresh and may we be your people and let you be our God and may we live many new epiphanies as we recognise you in many new and different ways and we pray all this that your kingdom would come on earth as in heaven in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, so much. If you're able to, would you like to stand? There was, uh, there was a degree of practicality about Bishop Rachel coming to our evening celebration with diaries availability, but uh, I, I felt as soon as I, I knew it would be the evening celebration that Bishop Rachel would be coming to that real significance in this being a, a mixed gathering but with the delight of quite a few people who are younger than me, and Phil, even. Because, because God is building his church through all of the generations represented in this room. But for those of you that are younger, absolutely to know that it is in and through you that, of course, so much needs to happen. And uh, for some of us, it's all about just simply equipping 
and enjoying what God wants to do with you. So I pray that even though there might have been quite a lot of um, churchy language almost or, or stuff that you might not just immediately connect with, I pray that you will have heard in the passion with which Bishop Rachel has shared that this is all about reaching your friends, reaching families, reaching others, reaching those who you work with, those you socialise with, those who do not yet know the fullness of life in Christ. And you are the leaders, you are the missionaries, you are the ones. And there isn't a kind of pyramid with the bishop sitting at the top, it's the other way up. Bishop Rachel, in the loveliest way, is right at the bottom. And all of us are with her to serve you. So I'm going to ask that we kind of commission each other in a sense, as Bishop Rachel has led us in that already, just around this room. Let's just say, Holy Spirit, would you come? Every single person here to have a sense of your commissioning, your anointing, even for those who, who don't yet, in a sense, know you, Jesus, fully as their friend and their saviour. Come now, Holy Spirit. Let their hearts say yes to being caught up in this bigger, this bigger story, your story, God. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come now? Would you come, especially amongst, um, amongst the younger, but not restricted, but maybe especially just amongst those, the younger ones in this room, the leaders of, of your church, the church of Jesus Christ going forward, the missionaries of your church. We're a people on a mission. We're a diocese on a mission. We're a church nationally, internationally on a mission. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And I'm just going to ask you, invite you just to take a step forward. If you just, someone can pray with you. Just, you know, there's something significant for you about this year. You just want to live differently. You want to be a, a beacon of light in your workplace or in your friendship group. Or maybe you're already feeling this itch. The Holy Spirit is, is prompting you now about being one of those who will go and help plant one of these new worshipping communities. Do you want to be someone who God is going to use to reach a, a part of this diocese or a, or a section, a group of people? Why don't you just take a step forward now? Come on, be brave. That's it. Be brave. doesn't have to be a, a, a kind of like a big thing you're expecting God to do in you because sometimes the smallest things in the kingdom of God are used by God. They, he multiplies 10, 30, 40, 50, 100 times. Just come and step. Come and step. Those who, those who want to make a new resolution, a resolution for God, why don't you take a step forward? Can some of the family come and pray with people? Just remember the deal is you don't, you don't offer your own prayer too quickly. Don't offer words and pictures too fast. Let God be God. Just put a hand on a shoulder and just pray, God, whatever you're doing in this person, for whatever reason they have stepped forward, I just say yes to it, God. I join with you, God, in what you're doing. Need some more women over to my right here, please. Thank you. Still time. Take a step forward. Come on. God has such a way of blessing. When we do something physically that reflects what's going on in us emotionally and spiritually, God is so good. 
in the way that he blesses and meets with us. Thank you, God. Again, three more women to my right, please. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We say, God, have your way. Have your way in each one of us. Here I am.